Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, I'm Nicholas Gordon, host of the Asian Review of Books podcast, done in collaboration with the New Books Network. In this podcast, we interview fiction and nonfiction authors working in, around, and about the Asia-Pacific region. Dear Chrysanthemums, a novel in stories, jumps from character to character, location to location, time period to time period. Two cooks working for Madame Chiang Kai-shek, a dancer exiled to Shanghai's Wukang Mansion. Three women gathering in a French cathedral, finding strength in each other decades after the protests in Tiananmen. Six interconnected stories make up this debut novel from accomplished poet and translator Fiona Saint-Laurent, who joins us today. Fiona is a fiction writer, poet, musician, translator, and an editor. She writes and translates in English, French, and Chinese. She is the author of five poetry collections, most recently Rain in Plural and The Ruined Elegance, and 15 books of translation. A finalist for the Los Angeles Times Book Prize and the Best Translated Book Award, among other honors, she was a 2019-2020 Abigail R. Cohen Fellow at the Columbia Institute for Ideas and Imagination and the inaugural Write-in-Residence at the Museo de Arte Latinoamericano de Buenos Aires. Today, Fiona and I talk about what she thinks about when she's writing and the importance of the number six in this debut. So, Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the Asian Review of Books podcast to talk about Dear Chrysanthemums. You know, I, I do want to start by talking about um, your background. Um, you know, you're from Singapore. You speak French and Chinese. Um, how does that kind of multinational, multicultural background um, influence your writing, um, both both for this novel and for your previous works? It depends on how you define influence. I suppose... Or autobiographies are fiction, and or fictions autobiographical to some extent. Um, I was born in Singapore, and I lived in United States, and then um, I lived for the rest of my adult life after New York in Paris, and um, I don't tend to stick with geographical fixation um, in life and perhaps that sort of filters into writing uh, I, I don't quite know to tell the truth um, I can't really provide an analysis of myself or, or my own work um, so what I can say is I am aware that I was and I am in a fairly intercultural setting. And if there's anything that can get out of it is that um, when I write, I write with the awareness that um, English is not the language around which the world evolves, at least in my world. Um, and I think it's a good thing um, to, be aware, to be aware of. I mean... Um, it teaches some form of modesty, humility, I suppose. Um, I mean, I simply just have problem with um, people or writings or in, in anything really um, that are based on some sort of um, that's based uh, based on some sort of mono cultural sense or more lingual sense. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with that, but I, I just feel that we can always flex a bit of the boundaries, so to speak. 
you know, another just another question on on your background. This time on on your um, on your writing background. Um, I mean, this is this is your first novel, um, but you know, obviously, you you're a celebrated poet, a celebrated translator. Um, I wonder if you might speak a little bit about um, your other works uh, before we talk about this novel, um, but then also why you did decide to shift to um, writing a novel after after working on poetry and translation. I didn't exactly shift. Um, I just did it. <laughs> um, it's not the shift that interests me. Um, it's, it's not a question of what comes first, what comes next. Is really what you do with a vehicle and how far you can go. That sort of intrigues me. And also, you know, I want to have a crazy life. And I'm like, I'm not going to just stick with one engine. I'm going to have more than one. Um, it, it, um, I, I know of many um, fiction writers who write poetry, many poets who write fiction. Um, it's. I think it can be far more fluid than... Um, compartmentalizing um, the work because the life, the writing life is one thing and then when you read it, you, you can read one thing at a time, you can't read like four things or maybe you can, I don't know um, uh, you know, Jim Harrison writes novels and Jim Harrison is a wonderful um, poet um, I mentioned just Harrison just because I was just reading some of his stuff and um I got. To, I don't have the sense that when, um, when a writer, poet, does um, write a poem and at the same time works on a short story, beyond the formal concerns, um, the creative process is pretty much much more dynamic. I would say. I mean, I. I to be fairly honest, I, I didn't um, I didn't start it off thinking that I'm going to write a poem um, or be a poet. I just sort of stumbled into it. I wanted to write plays, and um, and then you know after a while I thought, well, you know, I can try doing something else, but I can always write poetry in a novel. You know, every sentence can be a poem if you want it. Um, Anyhow, so the the book is described, and I know authors don't often get 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 that much say in terms of how books are are described. But the book is called a novel in stories, um, and the book is structured as kind of six um, as six different stories uh, that have some connections between them, but also. Um, at times appear like they can stand alone. Why did you want to to structure um, your novel in this way? Mm, I have to say that I didn't exactly structure um, the book until right at the end when, you know, like um, it was as if, like there's some sort of a moment of revelation and everything just dropped into pieces and you started to see the jigsaw puzzle in a, in a clearer way. And I thought, oh, wow, how lucky I am, I was, or whatnot. I don't think, um, I don't think it's possible to sit down and say, I'm going to write a novel, I'm going to write something. You just write one, you just write one line, one verse, whatever, you paint something, a picture, and then you see what you can get out of it. And that was how I worked. Um, 
I I I started some of them as chapters. I started some of them as just paragraphs, and um, and it so happened that you know I spotted some links here and there, and um, I then went on this path of making sure that they should stay interconnected, and at the same time they can stand alone um, and make life. Interesting for a reader.、Uh, I almost wanted to say make life hellish for the reader, but you know, <laughs> because I, I you you never know what a reader wants, and and the point is to follow the the lives of the characters. And as、um, I, I was talking about how nice it can be a novel and a novel and stories, and you know what can come next, I have no idea.、Um, and And with the overall structure, the important thing for me was I want the first page to end on the last page, and then the last page to go back to the first. You know, I thought that's beautiful to have some sort of a circle. You know, so what is the beginning and what's the end? I'm still trying to figure it out.、Um, I don't mean to sound Taoist, but you know, I I just thought that was clever, and you know, why not?、Um, But of course,、um, in now in now that is out and in reading it, you know, I, there's always a mix of responses. There's some who want more. There's some who want less.、Um, you just go with a few ultimately. So, is it important that there are six stories、um, in the novel?、Um, The review and I and the review and and I know one of the stories has has someone give the sense、um, six is a, is a divine number. It means a smooth life, a perfect path.、Um, but is it is it important that there are that there are six stories in this novel? Well, if you want more than six, let's see.、Um, how much is the book? Eighteen bucks. We can go up to twenty four.、Um, no, but I'm kidding.、Um, I it's a miracle in a way that I I thought I can put it into six, um, but um, what you just mentioned about six being a divine number, I think I did write it somewhere in the book. Um, I don't want to give away the page number because readers are supposed to go find it. Um, that um, six being the number and the ending. Digit of the years, nineteen sixty six, nineteen seventy six, nineteen eighty six. It wasn't as deliberate when I wrote them. I mean, it's pretty much coincidence.、Um, although you know, I don't know how the subconscious and the unconscious work.、Um, there's some truth in it,、um, in terms of the lives of the characters that it did happen in those years, and.、Um, So there you go. <laughs> Certain things just can't be explained. So best to leave them unexplained. That's supposed to be your joke, Tom.、So. <laughs> well, I mean, so but 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 speaking of of more what's in the book, I do have.、Um, I would like to start talking about some of the individual、uh, stories. But、um, before we do that,、um, there's a. Reading、um, that I think segues very well into、uh, the next question, so I might invite you to、um, to read a few pages from your book. Death at the Wu Kang Mansion, nineteen sixty six. 
Ling arrived at the Wukang Mansion a little past midnight. The stairways were bleak. Lights flickered. In spite of the silence, the subdued colors, every household seemed awake. The place felt restless. Barely a month had passed since the launch of the Cultural Revolution, and electricity was palpable in the air. Ling was assigned to Unit Six, Studio Forty Two, on the third story of the Northern Wing. She had come to Shanghai with a bag of clothes and a few personal items. Despite what she had heard about the building, she had not expected its imposing architecture. Sometimes it was a glowering king; other times it looked like a shabby tyrant who had lost track of his followers. From a distance, she gasped at it, even before turning onto the main boulevard. When Ling arrived at her new knit, she noticed a spacious room next to her studio. It was unoccupied. She entered her studio gingerly, and was taken aback by the Spartan neatness. The bedroom had been carved from a once larger apartment. A bed, a side table, a desk. A chair, made of wood and without character. Even so, in those days, it could have housed a working-class family of five or six. No one told her anything beforehand. Not even Deputy Director Shaw, who assigned her the unit, and hired her for a local drama troupe. Before it was shut down, Berlin knew from the stillness and the musty smell there was a coffin inside. The corridors were crammed with pots and pens, piles of newspapers, and chaotic columns of cardboard boxes, singlets, blouses. And pens were drying on racks and wires that zigzagged haphazardly across one another in midair. The place smelled of charcoal, leak, and damp bricks. The odor of ruins jotted Ling out of her imagination. The fabulous Wukang Mansion from the Roaring Twenties. Once in a while. A shuffle of footsteps, followed by harsh tones, came from above or below. A basin dropped, and a child bowed. Kitchen utensils clinked and clanged against one another. The coffin arrived early each morning, before Ling stepped out at eight to buy breakfast. A cheap fried dough stick. Or tea egg from a store vendor across the street. For the rest of the day, the coffin stayed where it is. It was. 
shortly after the evening radio news broadcast at six, a group of young red guards will come to claim the prize. By the end of a first week, Ling had learned the routine by heart. How the coffin left the building after being showed down the stairs by three stone-faced teenagers who struggled with each step. Through the servants' quarters south of a block, it entered a backyard crowded with potted plants. Hoarse yells of political slogans resonated through the corridors, amidst boisterous. Gesticulations from residents observing from higher floors. The coffin came without a lid. No one wept. No one bothered with gossip. It was as practical as that. A rectangular box made of four light wooden planks and a base. Come morning, the same coffin was returned to the same room. Either empty, or carrying a new body, again dragged up each flight of stairs and without effect, though ironically with more swiftness, more weariness, and this time by the concierge Baudin and his wife. I think I will stop there. So that's a that's a good. Segue into my first question, which is about um, this first story: death at the Wu Kang Mansion. Um, you know why? Why set the first story there and during this time period? Um, I mean, the Wu Kang Mansion, I believe, is a is a real building, um, correct? Uh, and so, why why choose this location in this time period? Yes, um, it exists. It still exists um, in Shanghai. Uh, I I put it the first because I wrote it the last. I mean that's half truth. Um, in what I just said, I wrote also the last piece, the last, and um, part of me just said, you know, just put it the first and the last, and um, we can participate in some sort of a descent. Um, yeah, that's quite about it, and、uh, I just want to plunge right in, and you know, the rest of it is descending into hell,、um, downward spiral. There's some humor in just what I said. I I know it didn't. It's not supposed to be funny, but yes.、Um, and also, I like the story. I mean, I liked I liked all the stories, but、um, when I. When I finally got to that, I thought I could begin with it. So I, I like to do things. I like to do things in a mess, in a way. You know, after everything is done properly, from one to ten, I would just mess everything up and 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 give it another twist. It's it's just it's just a character thing, I think, or personality thing.、Um, I just don't like to do things the Ikea way, you know, A B C D, and everything neat and tidy and and hygienic.、Um, at some point, I started to give the stories like transition, 
And then I took out all the transition. I thought they were just unnecessary. I think you know, reader is smart enough to do the imagination and to do the transition、um, on her or his own.、Um, I, I, I just don't want to be prescriptive in that sense.、Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are, there are several kind of historical figures that 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 pop up、um, in your book. There's、um, there's Madame Chang. There's Marguerite Dura.、Um, you know why? It, I, I guess how did you decide kind of which particular、uh, historical periods, historical locations, historical figures、um, that would that would kind of that would pop up in 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 your stories. It's funny you said that because when I was writing, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was what I was doing in a way.、Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware that I'm, you know, these are historical figures existing next to so-called ordinary characters, but、um, I was so much so writing from the perspective of the characters that I didn't realize that that was what I was somewhat. Doing aligning history in a way as a thread along the stories.、Um, that said, I didn't exactly decide who to pop in.、Um, it's some sort of、um, part of the scene making process、um, in terms of the characters. The the. The characters are pretty authentic in that I based some of them on、um, a combination of real figures, and then I jumbled them up with made-up stuff, details to fictionalize them.、Um, but、um, you know,、uh, Madame Chiang Kai-shek's cook. I mean, of course, she's going to have cook a cook to cook for her, you know. So it's not all that made up in a way. <laughs> and I mean, what I'm trying to say is, you know, we are all human beings at some point, and、um, I'm interested in the humanness,、um, regardless of the social status、um, and all the social constructs and and whatever myth we have had of people through history. Most of them made up anyway, so. Um, so what is true and what is not is 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 just、um, it's simply another piece of fiction in a way, I think.、Um, so I I ended up having lots of fun actually even and I I actually was poking fun at some of them and of course you know that's just me the storyteller trying to、um, trying to trying to、um, create some entertainment.、Um, historians might not like it because you know. They might nitpick on at、um, accuracy, but、um, that's not the point.、Uh, at least that's not my intent. My intent is to come up with a good story,、um, an interesting story, and with some level of emotional, well, not some level, with a certain level of emotional honesty when it comes to my characters. So.、Um. You know, speaking speaking of your characters,、um, and I do want to kind of end on on this question.、Um, I think it's notable that 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 the the 
I hesitate to call them protagonists because, um, but basically kind of the lead characters in all your stories um, are women. Um, and uh, the stories are often about these women characters grappling with, um, well, either things are done to them or they are grappling with the after effects of, of what's been, um, of what's been done to them. Um, and so I, I did want to kind of ask about, about, about that, why you, why your stories, why to focus on, um, on the experiences of, of these, of these women throughout history. Um, and again, how they've had to deal with, with grief, with trauma, um, and I guess, and, and with compassion and friendship, you know, and they're not, a lot of these stories are about, some of the stories are about people coming together to, to deal with, um, these emotions. I started writing one of the stories thinking that um, that power corrupts regardless of gender. <laughs> um, I wanted to write something about women bullies. Uh, and, uh, you know, that sounds terrible, but um, as a woman, I thought um, there's a lot of cruelty between women um, and there's a lot of brutality between men and there's a lot of brutality and cruelty between men and women and and um, was trying to figure out what's going on um, emotional ty- tyranny that's what I was thinking when I when I wrote when I created some of the flawed um, characters and I, I I was telling myself well women are just as capable of men when it comes to abusing abusing others um so in that sense you know i would i was trying to show the power um violence whatnot is part of human nature whether you are man or woman or or anything um just as much as goodness is the basis of human nature at least that's what i i would like to think um Let's see. Uh, I can't tell myself if I did on purpose a focus, um, create a focus on woman characters. But I think I went along with it halfway through um, because it was just more convincing, you know, in terms in terms of narratives. If I'm going to put in. Um, a man's voice that um, centralizes some of the stories. It's possible, but um, it might be, um, let's say, I guess I should go back to, you know, the focus on women and the theme that way, you know, I don't want to not be thematic. Uh, That that was just what I was thinking and it was just for, um, to keep things simple and and focused. That's pretty much it. And from the writing perspective um but um beyond that on a more personal note um i I wanted to explore um whether um i wanted to explore just the aspect of women friendship mothers um and um, i was trying to figure out why at least in the chinese culture at that period of time um, why mothers may not might not know how to be mothers without being controlling 
um, and because uh, I was reading a lot of narratives um, about maternity, um, matriarchy as an alternative to patriarchy. I mean, that's terrible. I thought um, it's all about control, about power struggle, and it can be as psychological um, as one can stretched it um, and um, in terms of creating flawed or evil characters that's a very good thing <laughs> to look into much as I hate to confess um, I mean women bullies just go undetected much more easily than male tyrants sad to say so in history if not it would be too easy to accuse women of being you know the evil um bitch um um who just inflicted um cruelty uh, upon the whole entire population you know take for example madame mao but it's just not as it's just not as straightforward as that um it, it, you know, there's as you as you can see from the um, some of the stories in the novel, um, the the woman who sort of tortured Ling, um, one of the protagonists, um, is in fact a nobody, is a bureaucrat. Um, these are all ordinary, in ordinary ordinary moments that people want to get even with one another, each other. Um, so yes, um, when you talked about women and what has been done to women, that's that's the flip side of it, and then that's the positive side of it. That um, ultimately, all these women they are supported by other women characters. They're supported by other women. There's a lot of sisterhood, um, a lot of friendship. So it's um, it's very intricate. And um, the sense of humanness is, is just the basis of what I wanted to explore. That perhaps is not as gendered as what we might want to think. <laughs> I, I think women are very complex, you know, characters, I should say. Um, and um, it's always more dangerous to have a woman emotionally damaged than, say, a man. Um, I don't know who said that, but um, you know, if you write, want to write a story, you start with that, you get something. Um. So I think that's a great place to to end our conversation with Fiona Saint-Laurent, author of Dear Chrysanthemums, a novel in stories. Fiona, I actually have two final questions for you, uh, which are um, which are where can people find your work? And what's next for you? What do you think the next project might be? Uh, um, I would like to say that um, I hope readers can find the audiobook of um, the Chrysanthemums. I'm sure Catherine Ho, who is the narrator of the audiobook, um, does a far better job than I did. Um, I very much enjoyed her reading. Um, it's much more emotionally charged than what I it, and I think readers can find it on any online venue. Um, the book, um, in terms of my work, um, poetry um, is published by Princeton. Um, and I think you can, I suppose readers can find them online. And um, for the novel, um, readers can find them at um, Scribner's uh, 
website. As for what is next, um, I'm reluctant to say anything just because I'm superstitious. Um, I can't say it. When to say it is over? Is that not? No, I think I think that's perfectly fair. <laughs> You can follow me, Nicholas Gordon, on Twitter at Nick R. I. Gordon. That's N-I-C-K-R-I-G-O-R-D-O-N. You can go to AsianReviewOfBooks.com to find other reviews, essays, interviews, and excerpts. Follow on Twitter at BookReviewsAsia. That's reviews plural. And you can find many more author interviews at the New Books Network and NewBooksNetwork.com. We're on our favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Rate us, recommend us, share us with your friends to support us interviewing those writing in, around, and about Asia. Stay tuned for more news and who's coming up on the show. But before then... Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're very welcome.